You want to talk about a conviction? There's a conviction. Our house, our town, Duke football. One intention. One intention. That's to kick their Kick their after a two-week hiatus the duke football talk section 17 podcast is back thank you for joining us i'm your host brian kennedy alongside josh cox and scott medlin jamie holt is actually on vacation this week to celebrate the thanksgiving weekend well it's been an interesting two weeks We took the week off after the abysmal UNC game, and the fellas recorded a podcast last week before the announcement of the weight game being canceled. So that's why we've been on a little two-week hiatus, but we are back. And as of this recording, the Duke-Georgia Tech game is still on. And fellas, I guess we've got some some things to unpack. Uh, We will talk a little bit about the UNC game. It is two weeks old, but... We've had time to calm down, collect our thoughts, both go over the good and the bad of what we saw in that game, more so bad than good, and then also uh, really just how we as Duke fans got affected by the cancellation. We were spoiled. We had seven straight games of football, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, our first cancellation of the year. Yeah, we were definitely – we were fortunate. Um, And Duke has, by the way, done a really good job, I feel, with their COVID-19 protocols – in all the fall sports. Um, but, yeah, this was uh, definitely from not from us. Um, and, you know, we hate that we that we missed that game with Wake. Um, but, you know, as we had said on the podcast that we recorded that we didn't release, um, we were uh, in unanimous um, there that Wake would have beat us last weekend. So, who knows? We may have just spared ourselves another loss. But, yeah, the UNC game, uh, just to think about that, I just want to say this. We spoke about how we respected them and how they were good. Um, and I just really – I strongly feel like the um, athletic department and the football program uh, should really be featuring Javante Williams in the Heisman race. Uh, if you look at his numbers, there's absolutely no reason why Javante Williams should not at least be uh, one of the top three running backs in the country uh, when they're discussing Heisman candidates. I know the Heisman has somewhat turned into a quarterback show, so I get that. Um, but, man, if you're looking at a running back, and then, I mean, just being real, uh, I'm sure next year will be his year. But Sam Howell as well. Uh, the numbers that he put up and he has put up um, are just incredible. So all um, credit goes to them. Um, I'm Amazingly enough, two, two to three years ago, we're sitting here thinking, man, Cutts really got UNC's number. We had beat them several times. It was really good back and forth. And, man, look what a coaching hire and a little change of philosophy and a little life in a program. Look what it will do. Um, it looked like a varsity team playing a JV team at times uh, at the Duke, in the Duke-UNC game. It was almost like the big brother playing the little brother. And the big brother was just smacking the little brother around and he was trying to get the football and he couldn't touch it. And then when it was time to come running and the little brother wanted to tackle, it almost looked like they didn't care about tackling. And, you know, we, we kind of joked about it when we were talking about it uh, on the podcast that will never, ever make it that we talked about a couple weeks ago last week. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of know the guy that drives the truck 
and moves the stuff for Carolina. It was almost like he rode over on campus, ran over the football team, backed up over them again, put it in drive, and went over one more time. Because that's exactly what Carolina did to us. They ran over us, and they just left us there for dead. And at this point in the season, it's kind of sad. That's kind of how it feels. That's, uh, to me, that feels how the season has been. We've kind of been run over by three or four Mack trucks, and we've been left for dead. We've we've had some great highlights in the season. We've had some individual uh, opportunities. I mean, if you think about it right now, Mateo Durant has had a great year. He, he had a great game against Carolina. And when Cut finally decided to start using Eli Pankle, oh, my goodness, the offense actually looked like an offense for a few minutes. And, you know, I, I don't know why it took, what, eight games to finally start using Eli Pankle? Because we said when the preseason started, the guy had great rapport with Chase Bryce. And we could never get him the football. And I don't know if it was just because he's not healthy. I, again, we won't know exactly what anything is because, you know, we're just not that in tune and they don't tell us anything anymore which kind of sucks. That's what 2020 has done to football. They don't tell you anything because they don't want the opponent to know. So, you know, it's, you know, not being able to play last week kind of hurting a little in a way, but at the end of the day, we really thought Wake Forest was going to come in and curb stomp us. And I still thought that was going to happen. So it may be a blessing. It's not a good blessing for Wake Forest because now they need another W so they can be bowl eligible. But for Duke, maybe another week off. Maybe it'll help us. I mean, I'm hoping and praying that we come out Saturday night ready to play because this is we have two opportunities left to get two Ws. And if we can go out on the season with four wins after the way we've played in the up and down roller coaster that we've been on, that would be a great way to end the season. But historically, we've gone out and we've laid eggs, and this is a night game on national TV, technically regional TV, and we always lay that egg. We look like we look like we don't even know what a football is sometimes. So, you know, Carolina's good. Let me step back there for a second. Carolina's really good. Uh, Sam Howell is a great quarterback. He's only in his second year. I hate to see him one more season over there. I pray to God after next season that the pros want him so bad and they can, he finally leaves. Because if, if we could have gotten to him, their backup quarterbacks, they haven't even touched the field. I mean, Jace Ruder has only been on the field like three or four times, and they put a backup in that I've never even heard of when he did play, and they didn't do anything when they had him in the game. But Carolina's a good team. I hate that. I think we uh, lost Scott on the mic, but that's fine. I've only got one person to blame for this uh, Carolina game, and that's Steve Spurrier. <laughs> uh, 41 to nothing in 1989, and I don't think Mac has ever forgotten that, Mac Brown. I believe that was his first or second year with UNC uh, to where Steve Spurrier just kept pressing the gas pedal through the floorboard. And I really feel like Mac Brown, every game that he's played against Duke, both past and present, he has that chip on his shoulder from that game in 1989. 56 to 24. I mean, that should tell you everything right there. UNC is a great team. Mac is officially back. I will say it. I will eat crow. Uh, they've got a well-rounded offense. They've got a pretty decent defense. 
They've still got some holes on the defensive side to, to, um, to fix because they have been in some Big 12 shootout games this year. Um, that, that's been evident. Wake Forest being the one game to where they almost lost to Wake Forest. And I, I echo what Josh and Scott said. We were probably going to get blown out by Wake Forest too if the Wake Forest that played UNC came to play us. But on the other side of things, I was happy to see that Gunnar Holmberg got more playing time. And on top of that, he took nine passing attempts, the most he's ever taken in his career this season. Maybe Cut's slowly letting the leash off of him. But this is something that we talked about. I wasn't a part of the podcast last week. That'll never be, be released. I was under the weather. But when will it be time? When is a good time to say, you know what, the season's over with. Oh, I, I muted myself too. Sorry about that. <laughs> the season's over with. You know, we are going to try to get these two wins. But ultimately, think about this. And this is something we haven't mentioned. Gunner's been under this program now for a year. He knows the place. He knows the routes. He knows the systems. Chase Bryce is still learning, plain and simple. And I believe Dave Harding said it when I interviewed him. This is not a simple system to figure out and run. So, again, I ask, when will we see more of Gunner? When will Gunner start? Will Gunner start? Will he start this weekend? Could he start next weekend against FSU if these games play? I really think that he's going to have to start Gunner Cutcliffe one of these games before the end of the year just to see what Gunner's capable of doing as a starter. Now, just to even add to that, Brian, Gunner's actually been in the program for two seasons a regular red shirt one year and then medical last year. That's correct. So, My apologies. This actually is his third year in the program, knows the system. Uh, you're exactly right. If I'm, if I'm not, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he was seven for nine in the UNC game throwing the ball. And um, But to answer your question, we have it on a um, very uh, solid, reputable source that the quarterback change will not happen this weekend heading to the Georgia Tech game. Uh, that is unofficial, but that is coming <clears throat> straight out of the Duke uh, camp from someone that, is, that has let me know that. Um, that doesn't mean that we won't see Gunner more. Um, in fact, I thought it was ironic. Even the ESPN commentators that we all know don't know anything about Duke football. They mispronounce players' names, all those different things. Um, after Gunner came in, they were like, I wonder why Duke didn't go to this backup kid earlier in the first half because maybe they could have got a little bit more done on the offensive side of the football. Um, and so I believe it's pretty obvious, even to the casual Duke football fan or, and, and person who watches our games, uh, that we at least need to give him a shot. <clears throat> if it doesn't happen against Georgia Tech, then it definitely, definitely needs to happen against Florida State. But I don't know that it will. And um, we shall see. Well, yeah, um, you know, we're talking about Gunner, and uh, I, I just don't understand. And I, I guess it's just, again, me. Um, when he's in the game, he's confident. He, he's made mistakes. I mean, let's be honest, he's made mistakes. But he seem, the team seems to be running better with him at quarterback. And like you said, he's been in the he's been in the system for two years. Um, I was watching the Cutcliffe show or the Duke All Access show this past week, and they were talking to Jake Bova, 
And Bubba made a great point. And, you know, we do, we do kind of bag on Chase some because it's frustrating because we have built him up to where he's the Messiah. Let's just be honest. We build him up like that in the preseason and he's human and he's made mistakes and he, I'm sure he, if he was talking to us right now, he would admit the same thing. He's made mistakes. And Bubba made a great point in the, the, the all-access show he was talking about, that Chase has not had a chance. I know we've talked about it before. He didn't have a preseason. He didn't have a fall. I mean, a spring. He didn't have a summer. So knowing, he, knowing that he has this opportunity, I'm hoping that as he goes forward, he gets better. But – Cutcliffe still needs to have Gunner ready to go at any moment. We said this a couple weeks ago. I'm sure I said it a couple weeks ago that we are one snap away from Gunner Holmberg being the starting quarterback for Duke University. So the man, need, the, the player needs an opportunity, and we've got to let him play. I mean, we've not been competitive in a while. I and mean, it's sad to say we get in these games after the first quarter, second quarter, the state game was actually though, the most competitive game we've had. And we should have beat them in all honesty, but we've got to give everybody a chance. I mean, we have, we have health issues on the defense. That's why we've got the third and fourth string guys playing because they're getting an opportunity and they're, they're playing decent. I mean, for kids who've never played a down in their lives on college football. So, Again, back to the point. Cutcliffe has to give Gunner an opportunity. This is a free season, and if he doesn't, I'm worried about what happens when this this semester's over. Does he say, you know what, guys, I appreciate it, but I'm a hasta la vista, and that's what scares me, because he looks like he could be the quarterback of the future, or at least the next two to three seasons. And nothing is Chase, but we still need him. So I'm hoping that Cutcliffe will take the kid gloves off and just let the guy play. And I think the fan base would like that because I know we talk about it all the time. When we're watching the games, we talk about it. Um, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, other than family, I think we are the Gunner Holmberg fan club because we wave the flag and we have this 12 jerseys and everything like that. I mean, that, that's what we do on Saturdays. So I just wish Cutcliffe would give him an opportunity. And you know what? If he makes a mistake, who cares? I mean, we're two and six. Mistakes are going to happen. I mean, we're letting our starting quarterback throw balls nine feet over the receiver's head on the first play from scrimmage. Just be equal. Just give everybody a chance, and let's just play. And maybe uh, maybe I'm on the participation trophy end, but it's just frustrating to watch, and I'm getting aggravated with it, I guess. And I would love to see Gunner get a fair shake. That's that's my that's my whole point for that five-minute rant I just went on. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing, and then we'll move on, because, again, we're not trying to bash Chase. We're not trying to, you know, put anyone down, but – when you think about it, Clemson is the echelon, upper echelon of college football. It's been that way now for five-plus years with Davo Sweeney. So anytime – I mean, if we got the kicker from Clemson, we would think, oh, my goodness, this guy is going to kick everything through the goalpost, going to score every point 
every time he touches the football. So we had those high expectations because of where Chase came from. Um, I don't think we should feel guilty for that. If anything, I mean, we should be let down just because of, of, of everything that's been going on. And to, to a lot of people's point, yes, Chase has been rushed. Chase, you know, hasn't had the offensive line that he would have had at Clemson. Not knocking all, our offensive line, but again, apples to oranges here. But if we, if we lose this weekend, and I'm not wishing that upon this team, if we head into the Florida State game, I guess my question is, will Cut finally just say, you know what, this season is, is past where it needs to be. Let's just throw everything out with the bathwater and let's see what happens and make some changes. I'm hesitant to say that because we all know Cut is very loyal, not only to his players, but to his coaches. There was, you know, the, the, the big rumor back in the day when he went to Tennessee or was going to go to Tennessee, the AD at Tennessee said, I want you, I don't want your assistance. Hence why Cutcliffe stayed at Tennessee, I mean, at Duke and didn't go to Tennessee. Um, call it hardheadedness, if you will. Heck, I've been called hardheaded because of the same reasons. I just don't listen. I, I have my ways and I'm going to stay in my ways. But something to think about as we transition to look ahead to the future. What if Duke wins these next two games? Because obviously the weight game got canceled. There have been talks of Duke trying to find another opponent for the December 12th date. So think about this. Duke beats Georgia Tech. Duke beats Florida State. Very doable. Both teams are struggling. They're in, they're in rebuild mode. Let's just call it like it is. That will put us at four and six. Say we schedule a team December 12th and we win that game. We'll be five and six. We might still have a chance at a bowl game. Crazy to think like that. But in, the, in this day and age of 2020, anything is possible at this point. So we win Georgia Tech. Don't expect a QB change. He will cut will stay with Chase as we head to, into the Florida State game. We lose this Saturday. Maybe we'll see Cut, you know, throw some stuff out and try something new. Yeah, I would agree. I'd agree with 100% with you, Brian. Um, I think it's interesting that there are two four-star quarterbacks currently riding our pine uh, in Gunner and Luka Diamond. And um, that is just the unique thing that's going on right now. Who would have ever thought that Duke would have had four, uh, three four-star quarterbacks on its roster at the same time, and the numbers at quarterback would look so dreadfully terrible. <clears throat> but anyway, um, another thing we need to look at before we move into the uh, Georgia Tech talk, um, just something that not really that we need to discuss, but just to think in, uh, in the back of our heads, once these bowl – uh, games, these bowls start choosing teams and whatnot, probably need to be prepared for some schools to opt out as a school. Um, and it might open up more opportunities for a five-win uh, Duke team and possibly even a four-win, um, just depending on how many schools would do that. So <clears throat> that is something that we just need to keep um, in, in our in our in the back of our heads. So, uh, But moving forward now to the Georgia Tech game, it's coming up uh, this Saturday night, 7 o'clock. And as we do each week, uh, we are bringing you the trademark Duke Football Talk, Section 17. Brian Kennedy, sponsored. Tell the tape. Brian. 
If you're listening and you own a company or would like to sponsor the Teletape, please email me. I would be more than happy to bring you on and maybe have some uh, gifts for our listeners that listen on and maybe even a prediction winner. Something to think about if you're listening and you'd love to be a sponsor. Reach out to myself, Josh, or Scott. Tell the tape for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets last year. Georgia Tech was not 3-9 and nine, and, of course, did not make a bowl game with that record. Now, currently, the Yellow Jackets are 2-5. and five. Interesting fact here, they have not played a game since Halloween where they lost to Notre Dame 31-13. to Their last two games against Pitt and Miami have been postponed due to COVID-19. Now, as far as the overall matchup between Duke and Georgia Tech, this is the 88th all-time matchup between the two schools, and Georgia Tech leads the all-time series, 51 wins to 35 losses, and there was one tie in the series. Now, the first ever game took place back in 1933 in Atlanta, Georgia, where Georgia Tech beat Duke by two field goals, six to nothing. Now, since 1933, Duke and Georgia Tech have played against each other every year. And from 2004 to 2013, Georgia Tech won 10 straight games against Duke. Oh, those Paul Johnson years. Everyone wants to forget that. But since 2014, Duke has won five out of the last six matchups against Georgia Tech. In all time, David Cutcliffe is five and seven against the Yellow Jackets. And now it's time for the ever popular Did You Know? On October 7th, 1916, Georgia Tech defeated Cumberland University 222 to nothing in the most lopsided game in college football history. Now, the trouncing was inspired in part by Cumberland's 22 to zero whooping of the Tech baseball team the previous spring. Now, allegations were made suggesting that Cumberland had used professional ball players in the game and Tech football coach John Heisman, yes, that Heisman, who also coached the baseball team, vowed revenge on Cumberland University. Now, another reason for Heisman's plan to run up the score was the practice among the sports writers of the time was to rank teams based upon how many points they scored each game. Since this statistic did not account for the strength or weakness of a team's opponent, Heisman disagreed with the amount of weight the writers tended to assign to it, and he may have unleashed his players on Cumberland to make his point to the sports writers. Now, during the game, Georgia Tech scored 32 touchdowns, rushed for 978 rushing yards, and did not attempt a single pass in the blockbuster win against Cumberland University. And that was the did you know for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I had heard that, that score before, but did not know those details. Um, pretty incredible, not throwing a pass. And, man, I'd love to they, – they obviously passed that down to old Steve Spurrier, the old ball coach, um, but he never he never got <coughs> anywhere close to that for sure. Um, One thing I forgot to mention, so Cumberland University, right before the season started, actually disbanded their football team. So the rumor is that the players that played against Georgia Tech were actually made up of farmers from the area. Area. <laughs> That that would make more sense. Like a forty-seven-year-old farmer out there, you know, and his overalls trying to tackle somebody. But you know, <clears throat> that's awesome, though. A uh, little bit about the history of Duke Georgia Tech, and man, I remember, you know, in the Paul Johnson versus David Cutcliffe days, uh, Duke began that that thing where they they pulled the D line back about a yard, yard and a half. They really kind of messed up 
Georgia Tech's timing on their offensive line. Uh, but I will say this, it is good to know that we'll be going to play Georgia Tech <clears throat> this weekend, and we don't necessarily – we're not necessarily guaranteed uh, to have a torn ACL uh, from the dirty, dirty block uh, from the Paul Johnson eras. So uh, definitely ready to not get blocked below the knees. Scott, let's talk a little bit about what we can expect <clears throat> from the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Well, first off, Jeff Collins is breathing life into the program over there. He is just, um, to me, just everything. He is the perfect person for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Always talking about the 404. And the man loves him some Waffle House. And that's all he talks about, 404 and Waffle House. And if you don't like those two things, there is no reason for you to be down there at the University of Georgia Tech. But th- th- he's, he's, just a, he's a master motivator. Um, that's one of the things about him. And seems like a great coach. I mean, the kids love him. Uh, they're, you know, they're struggling just like Duke. And he's struggled for two seasons now. And he's still trying to weed in and bring in his players. And that's part of the problem that he's having. You know, they still have option players, and he does not run the option. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, Jeff Sims is the quarterback, and Jeff Sims has struggled on the year. Um, he's thrown for 1,346 yards. He has eight touchdown passes but 10 interceptions. And it's actually funny. He's their second leading rusher. He has 277 yards rushing. And he's actually their leading touchdown rusher. He has four touchdowns. Um, The numbers just, they're not great. Uh, I mean, their leading receiver has 290 yards on the year. Now, they've got four guys with double digits, but I mean, 290 in game eight doesn't, just doesn't seem right. Yeah, Jalen Camp is the, uh, their leading receiver. And then, uh, Jordan Gibbs, I'm sorry, Jamar Gibbs is their other, the second leading receiver. He has 265 yards with three touchdowns. Um, Sims is not all that accurate, 55%. um, But the system that uh, Jeff Collins is trying to run is they're just struggling in it. um, And it's kind of sad because Georgia Tech has always, you know, been a pretty decent team. And thank God. We don't have to worry about the chop blocks anymore. Because Paul Johnson, I think, you know, chop blocks in his sleep. And it's just, you know, I've seen way too many knees get screwed up because of his just crappiness. And then the referee's standing there just watching like, oh, what just happened? Uh, but the one thing that hurt Paul Johnson was, you know, like Josh said a minute ago, when Duke decided to bring the defense back, and that's really – kind of when we started dominating them in the series. And uh, and we've done pretty well against Jeff Collins here. Uh, so hoping this Saturday we're, we come out, we're ready to play, and uh, we look like a totally different team than we did that day in uh, Durham against Georgia Tech. I mean, against Carolina, sorry. I just remember, uh, I think it was last year when we were in the stands watching Georgia Tech the game before or the right before in uh, pregame warmups, they weren't throwing the football. They weren't running the football. They were practicing tackling. So I guess this is what you get when you have 10 years of Paul Johnson to Scott's point. But this is another game, guys, where it's like 
two mirror teams against each other. And by that I mean Duke has amassed around 400 yards uh, per game, both on the uh, run in the pass. Georgia Tech around 373 yards. Points per game, Duke 25, Georgia Tech 21. Points allowed per game, Duke 32, Georgia Tech 39. Um, as far as yards allowed, 415 from the Devils and 471 from Georgia Tech. Now, as we've seen with the last two games where Duke is pretty much a mirror of their opponent, that being Syracuse and Charlotte, they've gone on to win. So I think you know where I'm going when we get to our predictions, but if there's ever a game for us to capitalize on, it's going to be this one. As Scott said, uh, Georgia Tech's still trying to find their identity. After 10 years of running the run option, they're still trying to get players in to not run that, trying to filter everyone out. So if there's ever a team for Duke to take advantage of, it's going to be Georgia Tech. So I think in this game, if, if, if we can just not turn the ball over, then we should be able to handle this team uh, pretty easily for four quarters. Yeah, I think a key will be our commitment to the run, um, our commitment to Mateo and Dion, um, really getting those guys out in space a little bit, um, opening things up. And then for Chase, we, we said this, we've said this for the last four weeks. He's got to just settle down and get into a groove. Um, and that means that the play calling needs to be more than just quick slants. Like we really be nice to, to see the run game open up the play action game and for us to get vertical with Jarrett Garner, uh, get vertical with Eli Pankow, get vertical with Jalen Calhoun, um, and really let those guys get out there in space and see if they can create some separation. Um, and so that's what I would look for on the offensive side of the ball. I do think that we, we've got to – continue to look for Noah Gray. Um, you know, we got a, what we've gotten away from him a little bit. But Noah Gray's a first down maker. Uh, he goes to the sticks and turns, and he gets you that first down. Um, and so we got to keep our mind focused on those things. And then on the defensive side of the football, I really feel like our uh, we, we all know we're all rooting for Big Vic to get one more sack to break the – career sack record at Duke. Um, but our defensive ends, he and Rumpf and Drew Jordan, uh, <laughs> really need to consider the run and not always just pin their ears back and just go pass rush all out. We're getting offsides penalties as we have all season from those guys trying to jump the gun. And then when you pin your ears back and go for the quarterback, that run game is opened up for the opposing team. And boy, did UNC really, really show that. Um, so I really would love to see our guys be a little more disciplined and play that run defense a little better. And then, obviously, I would like for us to leave this game without any injuries, um, especially the secondary. Cannot afford any more injuries in the secondary. So uh, important game for us. Um, and we'll get the predictions. Um, but I do believe this is a game that Duke uh, can definitely come out and put some points up and get a win. Well, you know, looking at um, – I just happened to be perusing as we were talking. You know, their uh, they're leading tacklers are their linebackers. Um, you know, Quez Jackson is their leading tackler. He has 57 tackles. And then David Curry, and David Curry is a guy that's everywhere. Um, I've not watched a lot of Georgia Tech 
at games, but he's he's everywhere, and he's a name that they call a lot during the thing. But uh, Georgia Tech only has 13 sacks on the season, and one of the things you know Josh was just talking about that was very important, if you ask me. Um, talking about the guy, the ends pinning their ears back and stuff. Their second leading rusher is Jeff Sims, the quarterback. He's nimble, he's quick, and he will run. He will not sit there for seven seconds like Sam Howell and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. If he's getting in trouble, he's going to run. That's why he has four touchdowns on the season and almost 300 yards rushing. So that's just something else to, that hopefully the D-line and Ben Albert's working with those guys about about staying in their lanes and about getting the tackle. And, you know, like Josh just said, we definitely would love to see Big Vic get the uh, get that sack record this week. So that's just, uh, you know, I was looking at the defense there. I wanted to mention that real fast. Uh, hopefully, you know, again, we'll get to the predictions here in a second, but hopefully we'll play a lot better than we have. Uh, time of the podcast when we go into our predictions and um, looking forward to this um, as we've as we've spoken we are very uh, evenly matched with Georgia Tech in fact I believe <clears throat> you know even is the word but we are even probably a little bit better in the stats <clears throat> as far as points given up and <clears throat> points scored and whatnot so let's see where we're at tonight um, Jamie is away on vacation as, as Brian mentioned earlier but we do have a, a prediction from him um, so why don't we do this? Um, Brian, why don't you kick us off? You can give us Jamie's and then give us yours. Yeah, Jamie's uh, struggling down at the beach for the 85th time this year. So uh, we, we wish him and his family well. Uh, he did just text me with a crying emoji and a I don't know emoji and said Duke 31, Georgia Tech 24. So that shows you the confidence that Jamie has in his score. Now, as far as me, I mean, just based off of what we've been talking about, this is another toss-up. This is a pick em, as Vegas would say right now. They don't have a clear-cut winner, but I truly think this is going to be another one of those games where Duke uh, overcomes the opponent because they're so close in stats. I, I think Duke's going to take control early, uh, like the Charlotte game. I still think there's going to be some scores from Georgia Tech. Uh, but in the end, it's going to be Duke 38 and Georgia Tech 28. Well, if you look at uh, ESPN right now, the matchup predictor, they have Duke 56.1% chance of winning. Uh, you know, agree with uh, all Brian's been saying that these two teams are a mirror image of each other. And, you know, I don't think Georgia Tech has what it – needs to beat Duke. And I wouldn't say, you know, at this point in the season, that's hard to say because, you know, every other time I would be like, yeah, no, but I really don't think Georgia Tech is as good as good enough to beat Duke. So that being said, I'm going to go with Duke 27, Georgia Tech 24, because Jamie kind of stole, the, stole my prediction. So I had to change it on the last second. Well, so far we're three for three uh, tonight on picking a Duke win. Um, I'm not going to be the, the dissenting vote here, guys. I'm, I'm a team player, and uh, I do believe Duke will win this game. Honestly, for better or for worse, for the future of Duke football, I'm not really sure. Um, in my head, I'm playing out the worst-case scenario, and that's Duke wins these last couple games, so Chase plays quarterback the whole time. 
<clears throat> Chase decides to go elsewhere. Gunner decides to transfer, and we got one quarterback on the roster next year. That's that's my worst case scenario. <clears throat> Try not to be that guy. Um, but here we are. Duke's gonna win this game. Um, I agree with everything you guys said. I'm gonna go uh, Duke 34, and I want to go Georgia Tech 17. So that's gonna be my prediction. Uh, man, I, guys, I hope we're right. Um, we've at least been unified, and, and honestly. For us four, that's a little unique. You know, that we've been unified on almost all of these picks. <clears throat> Usually we'll disagree about something, uh, but we've been pretty unified. And hopefully um, we will get the win this Saturday. Yeah, we, we've been pretty pretty decent in predicting both wins and losses when it comes to the prediction factor. But, you know, as always, if you're listening to this episode and you would love to give a prediction as well, uh, be sure to get on our Facebook page at Duke Football Talk or Duke Football Talk. Leave your prediction there or go on Twitter at Duke FB Talk and uh, leave your prediction there. And if you're the closest to the actual score, then you'll get a mention for next week's episode. Scott, last word before we uh, go off. I do have one more prediction, and I'm pretty sure that this is as accurate as it possibly can be, that on this Thursday there will be much turkey consumed and there will be much football watched, and poor Tom Turkey will not make it through the day. So just want to you know mention real fast on the way out, guy. everybody, thank you all for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you enjoy your time with your family if you're able to do that. I uh, hope you enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the football, even though football is going to suck as far as the NFL. But I hope you enjoy it anyway because this is the worst NFL anyway. But I uh, just hope everybody has a great uh, turkey day and, you know, enjoys a good time with your family. I do have a prediction, Brian, before you sign off. Absolutely. I predict that my consumption of green bean casserole – is going to be next level. It's the most underrated side in the history of sides. It is incredible. The, the recipe on the back of those crunchy little onions just takes me to another place. So my prediction is Josh won green bean casserole, nothing. That's happening on Thursday. But in all seriousness, as Scott said, be safe. Spending time with family, make sure you're respecting all the <clears throat> protocols and whatnot. And, uh, man, <clears throat> you know, tell someone you love them and you're thankful for them. We love you, David Cutcliffe. We're thankful for you. We love you, Ben Albert, and we're thankful for you too. And you know what? We love you, Big Vic. That's our guy, and we're thankful for you. Happy Thanksgiving. I think most importantly, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, each and every one of you who have tuned in, whether it be to one episode or whether it be every single episode to hear us rant, to hear us complain, to hear us sometimes talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope that as we continue down this path for hopefully years to come with this podcast, you will continue to stick with us. But we are thankful again for each and every one of you for listening in clicking on that button to listen to what we have to say. And you know what? There's not many Duke podcasts out there or Duke football podcasts. So it's because of each and every one of you that listen, that keeps us going. So thank you for that. And as uh, both Scott and Josh alluded to, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down all things Georgia Tech game. Hopefully we'll be talking about a win and we will look 
forward to Duke's potential last opponent of the season, the Florida State Seminoles. As always, be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching Duke Football Talk and on Twitter by searching the handle at DukeFBTalk. Until next week, for Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, Jamie Holt, and producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs>